Hello, my name is Trevor Mokel and welcome to the Mendocino County COVID-19 update. Today, we are pleased to be joined by Mendocino County Health Officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, who will give an update on the COVID-19 status of our county. After that, we will open it up to take a few questions from the media concerning the COVID-19 incident. If time allows, we will take, also take questions from the public. If you're a member of the public, please leave your comment on the question below of this video and we'll do our best to address it. Now, beginning with our health, health update, Dr. Andy Corrin, you have our attention. Hello, Mendocino. There has been an increase in illness, hospitalization, and deaths in the United States and worldwide as of August 1st. Um, the highest case numbers and deaths are in the United States. In California, the total cases are also increasing. Uh, Kirk, can we have slide one? In Mendocino, from April, our average case rates increased from two per day to 14.6 per day. Uh, this actually is uh, getting close to the surge that we had in, over the winter months. Last week, we had 21.4 cases per 100,000 per day. Uh, and according to the CDC, this is among the highest transmission levels. Um, this week, uh, we will probably have 30 new cases per day, uh, which is similar now uh, uh, to the last winter. And it's interesting because this is now involving predominantly only that portion of our community that is unvaccinated. Can we have the second slide, please? Lake County is actually, uh, oh, here's, here are the numbers um, uh, that we've seen since April, and these are weekly uh, case rates, the end of July, and it's gotten steadily worse in the last week. So the next slide, I think, shows us, uh, yeah, it shows where we are, and we're consistent here with the other counties in, uh, in California. Um, what is um, what is interesting is that Lake County is significantly higher than we are, and the area in the yellow is uh, is not confirmed data yet. It's too soon to be confirmed, but that's what's happening with our neighbor. Hospitalizations follow cases, and the rates uh, are again approaching what we had last winter. In red are the cases, and in blue are the intensive care unit cases, and you can see that they're very close. Uh, to what we were experiencing back in uh, uh, December and January uh, and coming down in February. The uh, hospitalizations in July uh, ranged around 11 with two to five in the intensive care unit. On August 5th, uh, just yesterday, there were 16 uh, residents of Mendocino County who were in hospitals, nine were in med surge, seven in the intensive care unit. Uh, we had three out of county. Yesterday, we also suffered our 53rd uh, death in our county. This person had severe comorbidities. Uh, the next uh, slide will show uh, the relationship of uh, vaccinated versus unvaccinated people. And uh, as you can see, there's an eightfold difference in, uh, in disease incidence in cases uh, between uh, the people who have been vaccinated versus the unvaccinated in green. Um, when it comes to hospitalization incidents, there's a 25-fold increase in the people who are um, unvaccinated versus fully vaccinated. And in the incidence of death, there is probably more than a 25-fold increase, uh, but, it's, uh, but this is related to those who have been hospitalized. In Mendocino County, 88% of our cases in Mendocino County are unvaccinated. 99% of the symptomatic cases are unvaccinated and over 95% of hospitalized cases are unvaccinated. 
Um, there have been no recent outbreaks, but there have been high risk exposures, uh, uh, notably in retail and restaurants, uh, with uh, uh, oftentimes with employees unwittingly going to work while infectious, uh, sometimes mistaken their symptoms for thinking it's a common cold or allergies. And I want to encourage everybody to remember that if you're sick, please stay home. And if your employee is sick, please get them tested and don't let them uh, spread this to the rest of the community. <clears throat> this Delta variant is now confirmed by whole genome sequencing in Mendocino. Uh, it takes a long time. It has taken a long time to get that information back. Uh, we're seeing it really as a very different disease. It is much more contagious due to, and uh, if you could put on the next, oh, here it is, uh, transmission. Uh, but also it, the incubation time to transmission is two thirds of prior variants. The spike protein is stickier, allowing easier cellular invasion. And what your, uh, uh, and then uh, nasal viral load counts are a thousand times greater uh, than prior variants in both vaccinated and non-vaccinated patients. Um, and the other thing that's new is that fully vaccinated people can pass the infection to others even without symptoms and these are uh, uh, what we would ordinarily call carriers. So on, this, on the slide in front of you, the left hand uh, shows the fatality of various different, um, various different other viral illnesses. And you can see where the, the um, horizontal line shows the average number of people who are infected by each sick person, uh, what we refer to as the R0 or R effective. And the original version of coronavirus um, would infect, one person would affect somewhere in the range of two or three people. The new Delta variant, the pink box, shows that uh, these are infecting each person in the range of five to eight people along the lines of chickenpox, one of the most infectious respiratory diseases that we've known, and also measles is out even further that spread faster. Um, let's see. The other uh, uh, information is that uh, the Delta variant is more virulent with increased hospitalization rates, ICU, and uh, mortality. Um, we are also now uh, in the midst of the summer with the fall and winter influenza season upcoming. And our RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, another um, uh, seasonal uh, infectious epidemic um, that usually comes on in the fall and affects the uh, youngest of children, but sometimes elderly people, has already begun. Our testing has jumped up this week from uh, less than 100 per day uh, to some days over 400, and uh, that's very good. It gives us an early indication that people are listening up and they're very concerned about their uh, interaction with this new disease. Vaccines remain our most important protection. They are safe and extremely effective against the severe disease, hospitalization, and death. So we have this uh, in front of you. Um, this shows the uh, numbers of people in, in green who are fully vaccinated. Um, in, the, in the red are the people who are non-vaccinated. And the, the orange slice 9.3 are those people who are partially vaccinated. And when we move the, um, to the right pie chart, um, it shows that um, of those who are unvaccinated, 8.1% are partially vaccinated um, and uh, I'm sorry, this should show, we don't have the slide up that shows how many have gone more than 60 days at this point. So this shows uh, of the total population, 
those people who are not eligible for the vaccine. The, uh, in gray, those people are fully vaccinated, uh, the partially vaccinated in orange, and, uh, and, and that's what this sh slide shows. As, uh, in, uh, uh, as of July 31st, our county has uh, dispensed 93,690 total doses, uh, and 61.6% of our eligible population are fully vaccinated. Um, 53.8% of the total population are fully vaccinated. That includes the ineligible people as well, the total population. 70.9% of the eligible population have had at least one dose. From an equity perspective, uh, Mendocino County continues to uh, exceed the state among the Hispanic population and also the 50 to 64 year old group. People are now seeing how safe and effective the vaccines are, and they're beginning to get vaccinations at a little bit higher rate. So we hope that that uh, continues. So what responses have there been to the Delta variant in the past few weeks? On July 23rd, I strongly recommend that everyone wear a mask indoors or in outdoor crowds. On July 26th, the CDPH mandated that all employees in acute and long-term facilities, clinics, and congregate care settings must wear medical grade masks and in acute and long-term care facilities, employees must verify vaccination status and all unvaccinated employees must test once or twice weekly. We just learned that uh, Adventist Health will require all employees to vaccinate by September 30th uh, with narrow exemptions uh, uh, will be permitted and those will be tested. Today, Mendocino will release orders for mandatory masking indoors in public places. On August 5th, uh, just yesterday, CDPH released new orders that mandate that all healthcare workers must show proof of vaccination by September 30th, and there will be narrow exemptions for religious beliefs or with a written medical exemption. And for those people who are exempt, regular testing will be uh, needed to allow them to continue uh, working in those facilities. Additional orders that are planned uh, for Mendocino County and have been supported by the Board of Supervisors on uh, Tuesday, August 3rd, uh, are being drafted. One includes an order for Mendocino County Fire, EMS, and first responders to verify vaccine for unvaccinated to have frequent testing. And this is an order uh, uh, similar to Sonoma County, uh, and they have just released that. Note that vaccine verification at this point is, uh, is uh, very well defined and is different than self-attestation. So that is uh, going by the books uh, on many situations. The other <clears throat> um, order that will come down will be guidance, strongly recommending that all employers in Mendocino County develop and implement uh, human resource policies to require vaccine verification or frequent testing for employees. Um, there is also new advice uh, from the CDC regarding quarantine. I think everyone should be aware of fully vaccinated people who are close contacts, although they do not need to quarantine after close contact, they should test at three to five days to see if they have converted to become infected, in which case they should be formally isolated to protect others at work or in their households. So in summary, COVID Delta variant is a different virus and it is swarming through our community with increased cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Our hospitals are beginning to show some stresses in staffing, 
88% of the cases and almost all severe hospitalized cases are among the unvaccinated, and they are generally a younger population. Our vaccination rates are increasing slowly, though they may be accelerating according to last week's uh, data, uh, as some holdouts are saying, well, now it's time and I can see that it's safe among my peers. Testing has gone up extremely well in the past week, showing people's increasing concerns. Uh, health officers from CDC to CDPH to county health officers are trying to respond quickly to head off this uh, pandemic and save lives. There will still be those who resist rules, the masks and the vaccinations, but people have learned a lot about all of these as well as non-pharmacological uh, interventions and they're taking much more, um, taking precautions much more responsibly on their own. We want to do that without closing down the economy, recreation or schools, and we are relying more on individuals to protect themselves with the lessons they've learned last year. And I believe that that can be done. And uh, that is all that I will offer today. And I'm here for questions. Thank you, Dr. Corin. First up is gonna be KZYX with Sarah. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, um, thanks for doing this. Um, so given that we do know a little bit more about the virus than we did um, when it first came upon us, I'm wondering if um, you have any plans for some more targeted um, shutdowns since so many of them, the, um, the exposures are happening in restaurants and retail. I'm wondering if you're thinking of something a little more stringent, but more targeted than the complete full-on shutdown that we just came out of a few months ago. So I will be listening closely to what the advice of the CDPH is. I don't think any of us want to do shutdowns. We want to see how well the current uh, approaches protecting our healthcare institutions, our emergency services, and how uh, businesses can actually um, implement policies to protect themselves and, and individual people can protect themselves. Uh, but I, I don't think we want to continue with a, a, a program of shutdown. So if that becomes uh, necessary, we will, that'll be considered. Okay. And I have a little bit more of a scientific question for you. I'm wondering what you believe will happen if this virus continues kind of unchecked among high numbers of unvaccinated people. Can we expect the virus to keep mutating? And if so, what can we expect from future mutations? Or will it just, is the trajectory expected for it to just kind of die out on its own? No, at this point, I don't know if we're gonna see it die out. I think it's gonna whip through the community of vulnerable people. And now we're finding that even those of us who are vaccinated have some vulnerabilities and pass it on to others. Um, viruses that multiply are going to mutate. That is, that's just nature. And as they do, the ones that are stronger will, uh, will start to predominate in our genome testing. Um, the characteristics we look for is transmissibility, virulence or more severe disease, and also the vaccine escape. And we have not seen the vac vaccine escape at this point. The increased numbers that we're seeing in people who are vaccinated is because there are so many people that are vaccinated, uh, we're seeing those numbers go up, but they are still very well protected against severe disease, uh, hospitalizations and death. So 
At this point, um, we're, you know, it would be nice to have a vaccine against the Delta virus that's in, in development, but I haven't seen that yet. And I think we're going to have to keep attacking this, and it's a very capable virus. Thank you, sir. Next up is going to be Matt with KMUD. Hey, Doc. Hey, guys. Thank you for holding this. Um, I'm hoping you can address uh, a statement you made at the Board of Supervisors on Tuesday, Dr. Corrin. Uh, you said one of the true consequences of failing um, our COVID-19 efforts is the possibility of having to close schools, recreation, and businesses. Um, and I'm assuming we're going to be following guidance set out by the California Department of Public Health for those closures. What I'm hoping you could identify um, for Mendocino County residents is what metrics are going to be utilized to make those determinations to close those sectors so we can kind of watch how those metrics are, are tracking. Well, I will depend on CDPH uh, and the CDC. Uh, one of the big issues we have uh, coming up is the opening of schools and um, the, uh, the lessons learned from last year from closing schools is that it's uh, 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 much worse to have them school, uh, the schools closed than open. There was not as much transmission within schools or illness as a result of that in the past. Um, and hopefully that will not be changed as we do it this year. Uh, but the teachers have been well vaccinated in our community. Uh, we do have going back to school a universal masking and we'll be testing a little bit more regularly within the schools, uh, both the, the uh, staff and the children. And so if we see numbers continue to go up and we cannot uh, control them with other uh, methods of control, for example, uh, uh, more distancing, uh, a little bit different. Um, we've made some changes in quarantine and there we're trying to keep the schools open by not having such long and involved uh, uh, quarantines. Uh, if we can't do that, uh, if there are outbreaks in schools and in multiple classes and multiple schools in a district, then we would have to consider uh, whether it's safer to have them in or out of the of the schools. As far as uh, the business sectors, I think we look very closely and what's happening in restaurants and uh, uh, physical fitness areas because those are some of the highest risk areas. Uh, we have had a number of people who have been infected in restaurants and even some who have been uh, servers in restaurants. And what our policy of letting the community know when they've potentially been exposed and we can't track them down individually seems to have been working to explode into outbreaks. Uh, but if that tends to happen more, then that would be another reason for us to be uh, leaning toward closing certain sectors. Uh, like I said before, we really don't want to do that. We want the community, the businesses, individuals to be taking more responsibility uh, with common sense, uh, non-pharmacologic non interventions and getting vaccinated. Remember, this is a disease among the unvaccinated. So if people get vaccinated more, and everybody is sort of protecting themselves, I think that we will get it under control. Thank you, Doc. One more question. This idea that it is a virus spreading within the unvaccinated populations, sort of um, in, in tandem, you're hearing these breakthrough cases associated with COVID-19 and vaccinated individuals. Um, I'm wondering if you could speak to how many of 
or maybe what percentage of recent positives the county is experiencing have been breakthrough cases? Um, Kirk, do we have a slide on that that we could bring up? Sure, we have a slide. We're actually trying to get away from the breakthrough concept, which suggests that the vaccine is not working. Uh, and uh, the clinicians and so forth at the state are saying, well, it is working. It's keeping people out of the hospitals and keeping them from being very sick and dying. So among our uh, current uh, people who have had breakthrough vaccinations or post-vaccination infection rate, uh, we do have a very small number in all of them. Uh, the largest number is in J&J, Johnson Johnson. Uh, next is Pfizer uh, and then Moderna. And the average is 0.238% overall. Uh, so that is less than one, it, it's it, two per thousand, let's put it that way, our, you know, our, our post-vaccination infection rate. And then if you look at the graph on the right, you can see that um, uh, there is a, a slow increase in the numbers and it seems to follow the increase in numbers of vaccinated people. And uh, let me put up the one for total numbers here. That might help as well. Another one would be good would be the one shared from CDPH that shows the relationship of vaccinated versus unvaccinated, but that may not be exactly to, oh, here we go. These are Mendocino County numbers. Oh, good, okay. So you can see that um, on the left are for people who are fully vaccinated, uh, we've had 106 symptomatic uh, post-vaccine cases and uh, a little bit more in uh, Pfizer than in Moderna, but remember that in our county, a whole lot more Pfizer has been distributed uh, in part because it uh, reaches down to a lower age group, but also that's just the numbers that we've been able to, to get out. And on the right are partially vaccinated. Again, Pfizer a little bit more than, uh, than Moderna, but again, probably because the Pfizer vaccine has been administered more in Mendocino County than Moderna. Does that answer your question, Matt? Absolutely. Very thoroughly. Thank you, Doc. Okay. Thank you, Kurt. Sure. Thank you, Matt. All right. Next up is going to be Danella with Mendocino Action News. All right. Hello. Thank you for there having this meeting. Um, one quick question that's not really a question just kind of a statement. Now that we're in more of a surge and with the new changes in health orders, can we see more updates from Dr. Corrin? Can the media have more one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Corrin? You know, Danila, that's a, a good request. And uh, I'm sorry I've been more absent than not in the last month, but I've had some family illness that I've had to be taken care of. I think that meeting with the press and meeting with individuals is a very important part of my function. Uh, and that is to inform the community. So we're gonna try and do that. I'm gonna try and continue to do that as much as possible. Thank you. Um, we're trying to get an update on hospitals. I know that you said there's more cases there. You gave the number um, as of yesterday, of how many are there 
we're seeing in some reports that some hospitals might not have beds and that are some people are even being turned away. Do we have an update on the capacity at our local hospitals? And can we get an update possibly um, from Adventist Health soon? Um, as you know, since this surge, or you may not know, um, we have the public health has been meeting with the hospitals on a regular basis as we did uh, last winter. And although they're having their, their major concern right now is the availability of staffing. So when we talk about just numbers of beds and the capacity of beds, we have to be careful that we're really talking about the capacity of staffed beds. And so far, although the numbers have been quite high, uh, we have an adequate capacity and the dominant uh, reason in the ICUs for, um, or the dominant reason in the ICU hospitalizations uh, has not so far been COVID. And the local hospital, Adventist Health Ukiah Valley, has opened up their COVID unit. So I think we do have capacity here. The ones who are being hospitalized out of town are because of acuity of their conditions and they were transferred for a higher level of care. And they've gone to the University of California in uh, San Francisco, uh, Davis and uh, down in Santa Rosa and one to Marin General. So, so far our capacity is holding out. Thank you. Um, do I get a second question since the first one was general? Go sure. ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm not sure if this was asked already, uh, but we're seeing that there is a mandatory vaccines. I know Dr. When we talked a while back, you said you didn't see that would be a possibility since it was still under, um, you know, emergency authorization and experimental stages. Um, but now we're seeing it with federal employees, airlines, healthcare workers, and even some schools and UCs. Um, do you see this entering into Mendocino County schools at some point? It's possible. I think one of the changes uh, is that the Department of Justice has said that it is legal. And uh, you know that for public health reasons, mandates have been legal for a long time. Uh, if we look at mandated vaccines, I was uh, uh, it was interesting to, to read up and see that in 1777, George Washington uh, required uh, the troops to be vaccinated against smallpox. So it goes back hundreds of years. Uh, and so it's possible. Again, it would be, it depends on you know, how prevalent this is, and if we can't get it under control in any other way, uh, then mandates, you know, are necessary. We want to protect our community. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next up is going to be Dana with uh, Mendocino Voice. Hey, thank you. Um, thanks for having this update, everyone. My question is, um, in the beginning of the presentation, it was said that 88% of those hospitalized were unvaccinated. And I know there's been reports of younger cases being hospitalized. So I was curious, Dr. Corin, um, I know you had a meeting with the hospitals this week to address preparedness for, for hospitalized children. Um, I, I want an update on that and also how many children who are not eligible to be vaccinated have been hospitalized in this surge we're seeing? Uh, yeah, 88% of cases in Mendocino are unvaccinated. Casey. Really, the, the, uh, the um, vaccinated, the unvaccinated who are in the hospital are over 95%. I am not aware of any children being hospitalized for COVID in our, in our uh, county. We do have a 
pediatric hospitalist uh, who is assisted by a locum tenens uh, when it's necessary at Ukiah, um, at Adventist Health Ukiah Valley. And um, our emergency rooms know how to identify and stabilize uh, patients. And if uh, uh, we're not able to uh, stabilize a person here in Ukiah, and we don't have ICU beds, particularly for COVID uh, pediatric patients, then we have um, developed some transportation uh, and uh, uh, tran transfer protocols that are being uh, looked at and developed and, and worked on daily. So I think we're capable and the concern is there. We're seeing more. What we are seeing in Mendocino County are more symptomatic children. We've not gotten them to be severe, severely symptomatic children or any who have uh, required hospitalization. Thank Does that you. clarify? Okay. Yes. Good. Appreciate that. Um, do I get a second question as well? Mm -hmm. it was I? It was kind of two things in the same on the same topic. Go Very easy. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, another another question I had is whether DPH is planning any new guidance or enforcement regarding gatherings and events moving forward. Um, there's I know there's like pop-up, I wonder if the strategies pop up vaccination clinics and testing sites moving forward, or if there's any word for, I saw that there's a August 15th vaccine clinic at the Ukiah concerts in the park. There's gonna be a testing site at the Days Between Festival. Um, not sure why a vaccine clinic wouldn't be also a pop-up there, but um, yeah, just curious if we should be prepared for anything. You know, uh, many of the event organizers, not all, but many of them have contacted me. And uh, in the old days, they'd say, is this okay? And I'd have to give my permission. Uh, nowadays, it's asking for advice, which is great because they're coming up with plans and they're very sophisticated at developing plans to, to uh, protect their audience and the people who are coming there. Um, and sometimes I'll give them feedback and, and uh, most of the time it's really excellent and they're very, very concerned about it. I do think, I mean, I saw a picture recently of uh, concerts in the park and people were huddled close together and no masks and so on. Those are high risk conditions. And so we're, we're gonna be starting to meet with the organizers again, uh, more on a voluntary basis. And when we see these things coming up, but trying to get them to announce uh, that social distancing and masking is, uh, is advisable, especially for people who may be more vulnerable. I really would like to avoid shutting things down. It's not good for our people psychologically as a community. Um, and, uh, and so if we can encourage the, the uh, people and the organizers um, in our community to take appropriate precautions, I think we have a good chance of turning this around without um, uh, you know, having industrial shutdowns like we did uh, last winter. I mean, last winter, people didn't know how to behave. We didn't know what the high risks were. And so it had to be done uh, with more force and followed by education. And now I think there's a lot of education. We're just going to have to see whether uh, the organizers and people who are participating uh, do the right thing. And if they do, I think we'll see a uh, we'll see some uh, good uh, curtailment of these infections and hopefully no super spreader kind of events. That's my hope. Okay, thank you. So, but clearly there's no plan for any new mandates or orders regarding it. It's just going to be case by case working with the community and the organizers for these events. Yes, that's right. Okay. No plans right now to shut down any industries, entertainment, or things like that. 
we want to see if we can mitigate the risk. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to take a couple of questions from social media and then I'm going to go back through the reporters one more time. So the first one is going to be from Facebook and it is can business owners uh, make vaccines mandatory for their businesses. Uh, yes, um, counties can make things uh, more strict than than uh, the state and the state more strict than CDC and uh, business owners can or cities can make it more strict than the county and business owners can certain venue operators can make it more strict than the county. But they can, what what each of us can't do at our uh, tiers is make it less strict than than the the uh, uh, the rules that we're under. And I, I would encourage, I mean, the the next or the the last of the three recommendations that I'm going to uh, put into an order is to have human resources policy, uh, human resource policies uh, that people have to either be vaccinated or regularly tested and show the verification of vaccines uh, or the regular testing. So we're moving toward that. Uh, hoping that there'll be enough time in the next month uh, and and uh, an initiative on the part of business owners to write those policies, let their employees know, and then let's let's get it on. Thank you. I have another one. How are vaccine numbers collected, getting vaccinated out of the city slash county, et cetera? So every uh, every person uh, who receives a vaccine, either from the county, uh, from a pharmacy, from one of the clinics, has to give a certain amount of information that goes into records that are part of a uh, program, a couple of programs, uh, but a, a main program that's, um, that's in our state called CARES. Uh, and that's the count, uh, I can't even remember what the name of it is, but it's CARES. Um, and we do that in order to find out that we're, the numbers that we're actually administering and to understand the demographics, the male-female ratios, the ratios of uh, people of various ethnicities, the ages, and so on and so forth, so we can figure out, well, what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong, and how do we make it better, and uh, target those interventions. So CARES is the, is the program. It's not the only program in California. There's a couple of others that they use in Southern California, but this is a program that's been developed for all of the uh, vaccines, including childhood vaccines, uh, goes into that uh, into that program, and uh, medical providers have access to that. And anyone who has been giving out uh, COVID vaccines is required to report to that. Thank you, Dr. Korn. All right, I'm going to run through the media one more time. Uh, Sarah, would you like to go first? Um, I think I'm all all set for the day. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you. Matt? Sure, thanks. Uh, my question has to do with reports that one of the recent COVID-19 fatalities could have been a breakthrough circumstance. And I'd love some coaching on the right language, Dr. Korn, because I also don't want to dispel vaccines efficacy. Um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, one of the recent uh, people who one of the people who recently passed away um, did have a full, well, it was one Johnson Johnson vaccine. Uh, so that was a very, very unusual case. 
uh, that person had also uh, huge comorbidities. Uh, and it's, you know, I'm not sure whether COVID was a main actor in the reason for that person's passing uh, or just a sideline, but that person had huge um, comorbidities uh, that, that, that were at least in part responsible. But yes, that's, that's true. We did have one breakthrough death. Thank oh, you, but, the, but from the language point of view, it's a post-vaccination uh, uh, case, not a breakthrough. Because there will be there will be some who will get very sick, but it's extremely rare. I believe the CDPH uh, guidance is post-vaccination infection. There we go. Thank you, Danila. Hello again. Okay, so my question has to do with boosters. We knew that Pfizer is already starting to work on it and announced that and now Moderna. Um, they're talking about the efficiency wearing off around six months. Um, do you have any more information to elaborate on that? What I've heard through the CDC and CDPH is that there is no evidence that its efficacy is waning. Uh, clearly, the companies have a secondary gain if they do get the vaccines approved for boosters. Uh, but the way that we measure uh, um, waning immunity in the lab may not be the same and may not be pertinent to how it is clinically uh, among populations. And so as far as the following up that the CDC and CDPH has, has said is that they're not seeing a waning of the efficacy. Um, when they do talk about that, those numbers, they may talk about the waning of immune globulins, but immune globulins are only one of uh, three different methods that the, hot, that the body uses to fight a viral infection. So there's immune globulins, there's memory cells, uh, there are, there's cellular immunity. And so the, the, and, and a lot of that is not clear how they work together. So if you're just measuring immune globulins, they may see a decrease and some of the research does show a decrease in immune globulins. It's very hard to interpret what that means. So when we look at it actually in the community, it's one of those things where the proof is in the pudding. And at this point, the CDC and the FDA are saying, well, we're not seeing waning immunity yet. When we do, then yes, there may be a need for boosters. And, um, and most importantly, I think, is that we get a booster that is really specifically aimed at the Delta variant, which is our biggest threat right now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next up, Dana. Okay, thank you. Um, last month, Dr. Duhan uh, had held one of the COVID media day updates mm -hmm. and she had said that um, the county wasn't currently uh, recording um, fully vaccinated people who test positive but are asymptomatic. And I just wanted to clarify that with you, Dr. Corin. Um, with the evidence coming out that now fully vaccinated people can become infectious and spread the virus. I was just curious if you are now counting that, if I heard that unclearly, um, and if not, why not? No, we're, if anyone who has a positive uh, test for COVID, um, we're contacting them with our CICT and we do count them. Okay, thank you. 
uh, just for clarification, I believe what Dr. Duhan was speaking to there is um, on the graph that we showed earlier about the post-vaccination infection rate, that's only for symptomatic folks. We weren't including uh, asymptomatic folks ah. in that graph. Uh, asymptomatic folks are captured in the CalReady system uh, and they are go through contact tracing. But uh, as far as including them into our charts, we're only looking at those symptomatic cases thus far. Okay, so just to be clear, the slide you showed was based on that measurement, but but the daily case count is including those cases. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's great. Um, can I have? Okay. I have an. I have one other question from one of our our readers, if I can. Um, she asked uh, about this. Um, one of the orders when it's finalized. What are the county's plans to enforce? Um, when employers create policies to have their um, have universal masking and potentially do this HR policy for vaccines and testing, who will be responsible, she asks, for enforcement so that the service industry has someone to call so that our precious servers and essential workers aren't put in a position to be bouncers and doormen uh, while just trying to do their jobs. So I guess they're a little concerned about um, having support around speaking with the public about the new mask mandates? Well, um, I don't want someone who is refusing to wear a mask um, necessarily uh, approached by a police officer or a sheriff who has other very important uh, work to do. I, I think that that has not worked well in the past. Um, what we do want to do is we want uh, employers and so forth uh, to develop the skills to uh, remind people, educate them, have the masks available. Um, and the enforcement should be education. And usually in the vast majority of cases, education, reminding, having the mask available, uh, saying this is what we do in our place, this is my establishment, uh, no shirt, no shoes, no, no uh, mask, uh, we don't serve you. And that should be the level of enforcement that we need. I think making it a criminal offense is uh, taking resources away from uh, our uh, other agencies, and I don't want to do that. Uh, we may resort, uh, and I'm tr trying to write this under an urgency ordinance for the county, so that it would be a fine um, uh, that is uh, served rather than um, rather than a misdemeanor where it has to be served by law enforcement and the risk is imprisonment. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to take two more questions on social media. Um, the first one is going to be, when do you think we'll see a vaccine for kids? Ah, very good question. So my understanding is that Pfizer and possibly Moderna uh, shortly after have put in requests for emergency use authorization for the uh, group between five and 12 years old. And uh, my hope is that that'll be out in September or October. And that would be around the same time period that Pfizer and Moderna will probably have their full uh, FDA approval rather than needing to go by an emergency use authorization. So that's the timeline that we're thinking of. The younger children under five may take another six months or so. I, I don't have more information on that. Thank you. And then also another question, with the current surge, are there any concerns of availability of the vaccine or tests? No, 
At this point, um, we have more than adequate vaccines. And uh, as I understand it, the federal government is prepared to buy more and, and, and distribute them more. Uh, our problem in the last couple of months has been insufficient demand. And uh, that's been our, our biggest obstacle. As far as testing, we have testing available through the county. Uh, and it's, uh, these, these um, resources are also subsidized uh, so that uh, there's no need for individuals to pay for them. So yes, we have enough uh, testing uh, resources as well as vaccine. Okay. I'm going to run through the media one more time if you have any last questions. Uh, Kezu X and Z. Uh, nothing comes to mind. Thanks a lot. Okay. Matt? No, thank you. All right. Danilo? Yes, I have a question um, from one of our readers also through Ukiah Chamber. They would like to ask, is there going to be any changes regarding masks at tables or deli places, such as some of our local uh, restaurants or cafes? I know that you're saying that you're requesting that masks be worn inside. Does that you know, affect restaurants and places that eat inside? Absolutely, but I haven't found a way that people can eat through a mask. So what we're asking people to do is really just remove the mask to eat. What I see when I go to a restaurant is the masks come off when people walk through the door. That should not be allowed. That, that's a, a, what happens is that people are eating without masks. There are people walking around who can easily be infected. And, uh, and so it's a much higher risk uh, situation. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then uh, Dana, do you have a follow-up question? Yeah, I was just curious. One of the slides, it now says now, uh, just as excluding prisoners. So I was wondering if the data we have now includes Veterans Affairs, IHS, and pharmacies. Um, we do have some access to that data. When I give the total number that have been uh, dispensed within the county, um, that should include it. Um, so, so it should be including that now in, in the numbers that I'm giving. Okay, and do we, do we know what percentage of uh, emergency responders are now vaccinated locally? I don't have that information, no. Okay. Thank you. Alicia. Hey, can you hear me? Let me unmute myself here. Can you hear me? Yes. All right, thank you. We do have a question from one of our listeners on KZYX who participates in a weekly uh, indoor country dance event and is wondering if everybody is vaccinated, uh, is it safe to continue doing an event like that. I'm sure there's a lot, are there a lot of people in the county who are wondering if they can kind of keep their normal routines with others that they've started back up if they mask and are all vaccinated? What do you think? At this point, uh, if they're all masked, uh, it should be reasonably safe. We may learn different uh, in the future, but that would be an area that would be high, high risk uh, the same way we think of uh, uh, workouts in a gym where you're huffing and puffing. Uh, I know when I do my country dancing or any dancing, I huff and puff. And that's when we get rid of an, you know, we put out an awful lot more uh, germs. So masking is a good protection and we'll just have to see how that works. Of course, people will be closer than three feet or six feet. 
Um, and so it is a little bit more risk. Uh, it probably would be better for people who have immune deficiency diseases um, or are elderly uh, to think twice about whether to engage in that kind of group activity. But I'm not going to say it's it's going to change at this point. Until we have information, I think we want to we want the community to continue to thrive and just um, you know use the vaccines and the non-pharmacologic interventions to the maximum and see if we can head this terrible pandemic off. Should be happy to hear that. Thank you. All right. Is there any more follow-up questions from the media? I have one. Uh, this is Dana from the Mendocino Voice. Um, curious how we are going to enforce the state mandate um, for the for health workers and the um, the mandate to get vaccinated by September 30th is this I mean is the consequence that people are just going to be fired from their jobs or um, you know uh, as far as the state mandate for healthcare workers is that what you're talking about yeah, yeah. And, and and government employees like First responders, government employees, healthcare workers—the ones, the the list from the state of so, California. So the ones from the state of California do not include first responders, emergency uh, medical technicians, and uh, uh, law enforcement. Um, and who will enforce it? I don't think that that has been uh, that clear yet. But again, hopefully, it will not take heavy-handed enforcement. Uh, and take resources away from police and uh, sheriff's offices. And uh, hopefully it will be a matter of education, making available the masks when they're needed, making available vaccines, and hopefully people will understand the severity of what's going on right now and go ahead and do it. Otherwise, um, the, the idea is that those who do not comply uh, would lose their employment when it comes to, to certain things like that. Thank you, and, and a, thank you for the clarification. I, I misspoke, so thank you. Go ahead, Matt. Thank you. One more question, Doc. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about the, we, we've had a surge, rise of cases, hospital, uh, hospitalizations and death. Are county vaccine workers, local vac, are we seeing an increase in um, vaccinations since this? Um, has there been a, influx? Is it kind of remaining stagnant? The numbers of vaccines that we're seeing go out. It, yes. in the last week, we have seen more people show up at our vaccine clinics, and we're hearing from our partners in the clinics, uh, the FHQs and rural clinics, that they're seeing significantly more people taking vaccines now. I think it's two things. I think they realize, or several things, they realize the severity of this uh, pandemic. Um, I think people are realizing that the vaccines are safe that friends and relatives are getting vaccines and that people who are vaccinated are protected. Um, and I think that, you know, people's defenses against the vaccines are coming down a little bit. In addition, on the other side are these new rulings that you have to be vaccinated or get tested. And who wants to get their nose swabbed? It's the pain in the neck or in the nose. So people are getting more vaccines. Thanks, Doc. You had a follow-up? I do. Um, so there's a lot of confusion and some frustration in the community and um, some of our readers. Um, you kind of briefly talked about this. You know, you saw 
the concerts in the park, the picture with, you know, several hundred of people um, getting a selfie. So they were even closer at that moment, probably. Right. And then you see the Delta variant that is maybe, you know, affecting kids not to the extreme measure of, you know, extreme symptoms or in the hospital, but still it's spreading a little bit more with children. We're seeing that on the, your, the graph as well. Um, and these events are still going on. So some of the businesses are feeling like, you know, they're getting kind of punished. They're smaller, like a retail shop. Maybe there's two people in there. You see schools, kids are now outside. They're gonna be maybe sitting close together while eating or playing and they don't have to wear a mask while outside. So, I mean, how do we, how, how do we explain how kind of one thing looks a little different than the other? You know, um, I would like to be able to say, this is a horrible disease. <coughs> This is the way you can solve it. And everybody jumps in line and solves it. That doesn't happen in Mendocino County. It certainly doesn't happen in the United States. And I've never seen that happen with individuals uh, in my practice. It takes time to make these changes. So we ad addressed them last year when we first came across COVID uh, with the whole population making, you know, uh, broad stroke kinds of interventions. Um, I think that there are there. It's reason to be frustrated, but not to lose hope. Um, the businesses that are going to be subject or recommend to make their own policies are not being punished. We're doing that to actually give them cover. And I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I've been asked for this and thanked for it. So they can make a policy that the county stands behind as an, and is encouraging them to do. It's protecting the business. It's protecting their employees. Remember a small business who loses uh, one or two employees or one or two employees comes into a slightly larger business and they have COVID and they infect a larger workforce. That business, you know, shuts down. They're really crippled. This is a way to try and keep people safe, not to punish. So we're giving guidance and recommendations and we hope that people will take it that way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anything to add about schools uh, outside? They're still not wearing masks. Is that still going to be even with the Delta variant? At this point, outside is still very protective. And so we're not we're not asking school children to wear their masks outside. Uh, we are asking people if they are recommending to people if they are in crowds and uh, some people are not, you know, are, are not vaccinated or even because it can run among asymptomatic vaccinated people, it's good to keep distances. So the, the uh, social distance within the, within, the, uh, within the concerts in the park would be great between not just each person, but groups of people. People come and they sit in groups because they know their families or, or the people they, they are with are vaccinated and feel safe there. But at least between those groups, if they could maintain some distancing, that would help. And these are the kind of changes that that I'm trying to to encourage people to make. And uh, it doesn't have to be that we have a uh, a school guard or or a uh, concerts in the park guard walking through and saying you're too close. People should understand that they should spread out some more, and, and maybe with guidance from the stage, and making some changes in in the where the speakers are put in the stage and the dancers uh, that we can have a safe uh, concerts in the park. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, that sums up today's COVID-19 update.
Thank you for joining us. I'd like to give Dr. Korn an opportunity to give his concluding comments. Well, I would say I think everybody knows now that this Delta variant is a new disease and it's very contagious and it can cause a lot of havoc. It's mostly going through the unvaccinated community and the best, uh, the best prevention is vaccination. Um, well, we don't wanna be heavy handed in our uh, ways to control this infection, uh, but we're getting a little bit more targeted with healthcare workers and other emergency personnel. Um, and for uh, generally masking uh, should be one of the layers of protection. So even if you are vaccinated inside, wearing a mask makes sense. And if you're more vulnerable, wear a mask outside. Um, and everybody should be learning and uh, following their, uh, the guidance that they've already learned from the last year to protect themselves and their loved ones. And I think that with that, I'm hoping that we will get through this without major shutdowns of the economy, of the uh, commercial sector, of recreation or schooling. That's what my thinking is at this point. So we'll move forward together and uh, we'll try and keep that spirit up. Thank you, Dr. Korn and members of the media. Our next update will be scheduled for August 20th. Please continue to follow Mendocino County Public Health on our Facebook for all COVID-19 updates. Thank you everyone for joining us and have a good weekend. Thank you.